if there's one word to summarize this season for our church family, I would say that word is reparenting. God isn't just reparenting us individually, but in many ways corporately as a church. He's taking us to places we've never been before. This is a very fertile time in our journey as a church. Many of you have expressed the profound impact of these messages on reparenting. And um, rather than moving on with what we had planned in terms of the upcoming messages, uh, we've decided to stick with this theme. But we're shifting to one chapter. It's a reparenting chapter, and it's Matthew chapter 6. I want to just point out that uh, my buddy Dan Johnson wrote a marvelous reparenting book. If you haven't read this, I'm a fussy reader because I read a lot, but this is not only extremely well written, but touches some deep streams that we rarely talk about as a church. Meeting God in pain, meeting God in loss, in the trials and the testings of our faith. So I asked Dan to uh, bring a bunch of copies for you to purchase today if you would like uh, as a good read uh, coming down the stretch of 2019. I've also uh, solicited a few other authors in our church to, uh, by the way, I'll just put this over here, um, to uh, bring forward their books. And we hope to be making more of our congregation, those of us that are authors, uh, them available for purchase uh, this last month of the year. We come this morning to a fathering chapter. It's Matthew chapter 6. The word father is used 12 times in this chapter, and for good reason. It's where Jesus moves from uh, giving his really manifesto of the Christian life uh, from what it's not to what it is. Uh, Jesus hit seven areas of, of, of what not to do in Matthew 5, but when he moves into Matthew 6, he gives three things to do, but it begins with the word beware. Beware. It's a warning. Beware. And now, normally, it's in our culture, all, the only beware is of biohazards, or maybe dogs. Beware. But even a, a, a person who's not known as being cautious, everyone, if you see a sign, beware, you take heed. Well, interesting, ten times in Scripture, Jesus used the word beware. Ten times. And what he warned about were really biohazards of the soul. What can take us out, spiritually speaking? What are the biohazards of the soul that Jesus warned us to avoid? And believe it or not, all ten all identify only one issue. 
It's not murder, it's not drug addiction, it's not sexual immorality. The one issue that Jesus confronts as the primary biohazard of the soul is hypocrisy. Jesus hates hypocrisy. Um, Frankly, I think we all hate hypocrisy. But when it comes to hypocrisy, uh, what Jesus really wants us to understand is that hypocrisy is something that we all need to deal with. As much as we hate it, we all have a little bit. Some of us may have more than others. But Jesus begins, Matthew 6, beware. Beware of practicing your righteousness before people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now he goes on in the next verse to explicitly use the word hypocrisy. He uses it three times in Matthew 6. Hypocrisy when it comes to three specific disciplines. And really, what he lays out for us this morning are three activities that we all are involved in in one way or another, but three areas where hypocrisy can easily raise its ugly head, but three activities that we dare not dismiss because some people practice them like hypocrites. Because these three activities that Jesus lays out in Matthew chapter 6 are foundational to cultivating your intimacy with God. Three areas where you are intended to encounter ever-deepening intimacy with God. Now, the first is giving. The second is praying. The third is fasting. Now, as I thought about this, this is a tough time of year to talk about giving. I mean, we're all probably a little bit overspending on gifts for people, and and here I'm talking about giving. There's no busier city in the world in terms of demands on people's time than Atlanta. And yet we're talking about taking time to pray. And I've never been to a city that has more restaurants on every corner than Atlanta And here I am talking about fasting, and not just because of Atlanta, but we're heading into Thanksgiving. And here I am bringing up fasting. But when it comes to the kind of righteousness that God is calling forth in you and in me, he says, beware of that kind of righteousness that's done just to be seen by people. Verse 2 says, don't give like hypocrites. Verse 5, don't pray like hypocrites. Verse 16, don't fast like hypocrites. 
Now, of all the disciplines, of all the activities that we as Christians are involved in, it is significant that Jesus selected these three. Jesus is the chief apostle. That means he puts everything in proper place, foundationally. That's what an apostle does. And so when Jesus selects activities to be foundational in the lives of his followers, isn't it something that he selects these three? Why? Okay, I'm going to marshal about six or seven reasons why Jesus selected these three. Number one, all of these are heart issues, and Jesus wants your heart. Giving. He goes on in Matthew 6 to say, where your heart is there, your treasure will be also, talking about financial giving. Prayer. Is there anything that better reaches the heart than authentic prayer? And fasting. No one would fast if they didn't have a heart for something greater than food. And so all three of these are, it's God's way of going after your heart. He wants you to give financially because he wants your heart. He wants you to pray and spend time with him because he wants your heart. He wants you to seek him diligently in fasting because he wants your heart. Second reason. These are areas that only God knows, no one else. You can pastor for 50 years. You can be a career missionary And no one else will know whether or not you gave one out of ten dollars back to God and gave to the poor on top of that. No one else would know. No one else will know how much time you really spend in prayer before the Lord. And no one's going to know whether your fast was was really a fast or just a show. No one's going to know that. These are things that only you and God know. And that's why Jesus goes after them. Third reason. Every one of these areas require faith. No one is going to give away a hundred bucks for every thousand dollars they take home unless they had faith. Why would you do that? Now, the median income in Gwinnett County is about $50,000. It's now a little bit over that. So that means the average believer ought to be giving minimum $5,000 to God each year. If you make $100,000, it ought to be $10,000. Why would you give $10,000 to God without faith? I mean, no one's going to do that. You're not going to do that to try to earn God's favor, but you're going to do it if you believe there is something worth more than money. It's faith. Why in busy Atlanta would anyone take their time 
and give quality extended time just to be with the Father if without faith. And why in the world would you give up your cowboy ribeye and baked potato and all the rest of it? Why would you give up that food if you weren't hungrier for something from God than you are for the food? It's faith. So these are all looking for faith. That great scripture. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, verse 6. For everyone who would draw near to God must first believe that he exists. That's an easy one to get over. Hopefully we all believe he exists. But the next phrase is fascinating. And that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Now, this leads me to the next reason Jesus selected these three. These three all bring with them rewards. Three times, once for giving, once for praying, once for fasting, Jesus said, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 4, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 6, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 18, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, the secret of intimacy with God is the secret things you do with him. Let me say it again. The secret to your intimacy with the Father all boils down to the secret things you do with him. What things? Giving. That no one else is going to know but you and God. Your giving to God will accelerate and deepen your being reparented. The time that you bracket to spend with him alone each day will deepen your intimacy with him. It's the secret things. The fasting that people may find out about because you're not going out for lunch or if you do, you have a glass of water. Not done so that they might see. Whether they see it or not is is immaterial. But you're doing it for because you are hungrier for something from God than you are for that meal. It's secret. But each one of them bring a reward. I, I am confident that in our church context, we have downplayed reward because some have abused the teaching. We're all aware of those that teach, oh, you give $1,000 to God, he'll give you 100000 back. We've all heard that, and it kind of makes us wince. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. God is a rewarder. It's essential to our faith. Don't let the false teachers steal that from you. 
three times, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Say it with me. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Tell the person next to you. And the Father who sees in secret will reward you. I I have us repeat it for a reason. We're so unused to thinking this way. One more time. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I want the reward. I'm not a schmoozer, but I want the reward. My Father who knows my heart and loves my heart and wants my heart, wants my heart in giving. He wants my heart in praying. He wants my heart in fasting. And he will reward me. He will reward me in my giving. He will reward me in my praying. He will reward me in my fasting. Hallelujah. Now, the fascinating thing is next to the giving, it doesn't give any specifics. It doesn't tell me how he will reward me. It doesn't say he'll reward me by by multiplying ten times whatever I give. It doesn't say that in my Bible. Does that say it in your Bible? It doesn't say what the reward is. But my Father, whose heart I trust, promises me a reward. In the prayer section... It doesn't tell me what the reward is going to be. It doesn't say that he's going to do it exactly like I asked. But somehow, it promises me a reward. And the fasting, it doesn't say the day your fast is up, you'll you'll get all the answers to what you asked during your fast. It, It doesn't say that. So it doesn't tell me what the reward is, and it doesn't tell me when the reward will come. But it tells me that my father, who saw my secret giving, will reward me. And that's good enough for me. And it says that my father, who sees my secret praying, will reward me. And my father, who sees my secret fasting, will reward me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, it hits me. Of all the spiritual disciplines, if you were to Google the great teacher Richard Foster and Renovare, tremendous books on the spiritual disciplines, he has 12. And they're good. And they include some of these. Dallas Willard has 20 on his list. He's better. No, just kidding. But he has 20, not just 12. He has 20. And they're in two categories. Good for him. Jesus has three. Three. I like Jesus' list. For one, it's, it's plain in my Bible. It's in the red letter edition. So it's Jesus' teaching. And, and I like shorter lists than long lists. But these are strategic. They all go for the heart. 
they all take us deeper in love with the Father. They're all secret. They're all faith-building, faith-based. They're known only to me and to God, really, ultimately. And none of them are one and done. They're all ongoing. Baptism is one and done. You get water baptized, that's it. Maybe later in life if you decide that there's a benefit to being baptized a second time in, immersed in water, that's fine. But essentially it's one and done. But giving, there's never a time where I'm going to write a check and say, well, that, that's it, I'm never, how oh, good, I'm glad I got that done with, I never need to give again. <clears throat> Giving's not that way. Praying. Never, no matter how good my prayer time is, I, I never leave a great prayer time saying, man, I'm glad I don't ever have to do that again. Fasting. Well, maybe a little bit on fasting. <laughs> I, I've got to admit, uh, when I've ended some extended fasts, I was glad for that first meal. I mean, I attacked that uh, like a champ. But to be honest about this, never have I fasted on an extended fast. A week, two weeks, 21 days, 40 days, and I've done several. No matter how much I enjoy that, that cowboy ribeye when I'm done, and that baked potato, oh, no matter how much I enjoyed the taste of that, I always said, man, I can't wait till the next one. The intimacy that grew inside of me with the Father was worth it all. Far exceeded the food that I gave up. But these three, the, these three are, are something. They shift us, now follow this, they shift us into maturity. Immature Christians like immature children want to hang on to everything. They don't want to give it up. It's mine. As we grow, this is so cool. The, these three are strategically designed to grow you up as a follower of Christ. They will take you from immaturity to maturity. And you know, the essence of the distinguishing mark when it comes to spiritual disciplines, the distinguishing mark that separates, so to speak, the men from the boys the women from the girls, is this. When you give, what's the big deal? What you do or what God does? When you pray, what's the big deal? What you do or what God does? When you fast, what's the big deal? What you do or what God does? There was a line in my life that I remember distinctly when Jesus took me from immaturity to maturity. When 
My giving wasn't about, look what I did, and became, wow, look at what God does. Then it's not about the 10,000 bucks I gave that year to God, but it's about the bigger cause toward which I gave and seeing what he does. In my prayer life, I remember distinctly, basically the week, the month of my life when my prayer life went from what I do when I pray to focusing on what God does when I pray. And I started fasting when I was in high school. I had a good mentor and he coached me in fasting. And I'm thankful that I started when I was in high school. I fasted all through college and I have my whole life. But I remember when it shifted. The focus shifted in my heart from the food I was not eating to the rewards I was getting. When it shifted in my fasting from the big deal being what I was doing to the big deal what God was doing. That's what these are all about. It's an entire shift of focus. Now, the three primary temptations that you and I face are materialism, utilitarianism, and I will explain that, and hedonism. Materialism, the highest good is in material worth. Utilitarianism, the ends justify the means. It doesn't matter what you do as long as it turns out okay. You can do whatever you want as long, when you set your mind to it. That's utilitarianism. And hedonism, the greatest fulfillment you will receive is in satisfying your bodily appetites. Those are the three primary temptations. In 1 John chapter 2, John summarized these as the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes. Interesting, when Jesus was tempted, he faced these three temptations. Now, the One bullet gun we have against materialism is giving. The one bullet gun we have against utilitarianism is prayer. And the one bullet gun we have against hedonism is fasting. Jesus took on the single greatest enemies against our intimacy with the Father when he gave us these three disciplines. Giving. Giving will break the back of materialism in our heart faster than anything. You give your selfishness away every time you give. Jesus was taken to the high temple. 
and he faced the temptation. He was taken to a, a, a pinnacle of a mountain, and he faced the temptation. He was walking in the middle of the wilderness, and he faced the temptation. The one on the high point, the high mountain, he was shown all the, 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 the kingdoms of this world. And, and Satan said, bow down to me and I'll, make these all, I'll give them all to you. What is that? That's materialism. Jesus said no. And the way we say no to materialism is we give to God. Jesus was taken up to the top of the temple and, he, and the, the devil said, why don't you jump off and create a miracle? It's not a miracle that the Father told you to do, but just, I, I'm tempting you. I mean, he didn't put it that way, but just do one on your own without the Father telling you to do it. What is that? That's utilitarianism. That's an unauthorized use of power. And he said no. And how do we say no to unauthorized use of power? It's when we pray. Prayer says, God, I'm not going to. I'm giving this one to you. I want you to take care of this. That's powerful. Prayer will break the back of utilitarianism when it's done properly. And hedonism. Turn these stones into bread and feed yourself. You're hungry. You fasted 40 days. Go ahead and eat. That's an unauthorized satisfaction of sensuous desires. So is pornography. So is sex outside of marriage. It's all the unauthorized satisfaction of sensual desires. Jesus gave us a, an activity that will break the back of hedonism. It's fasting. Oh, these are so powerful. They're so foundational. These are gifts. They are guardrails to protect us. But on the flip side, they are activities in which we get to go deeper with God and God goes deeper with us. So for this, the remainder of this year, we as a family will be in Matthew chapter 6. I can't wait on Christmas Sunday to preach on contentment. I think that would be a good idea in our materialistic vibe and lure of Christmas to hear in Matthew 6 that why do you worry about what you wear? Your heavenly Father clothes the lilies of the field and he's going to clothe you. Why do you worry about what you eat? Don't you know that your heavenly Father feeds the sparrows? I think we need this chapter. And what is the holiday? What's, what's Thanksgiving and Christmas but of really connecting with people in vital relationships and taking time to go deeper? And if anything, we want to increase and deepen our intimacy 
with the Father. We want the Father to be more and more present. My dad died a number of years ago, so my earthly father isn't going to be physically present with us this holiday, but my heavenly father, I want him to feel right at home. Church family, let's continue to cultivate our being reparented by the Father and utilize the gifts that God's given us to do that. Now, in all your spending, I want to encourage you, coming down the stretch, give some gifts to God. In all the busyness of this holiday season, I want to encourage you, bracket some time where you get to be with the Father in prayer. Cultivate that. Now, I'm not going to suggest fasting, perhaps, uh, this week or even next month, but come January is a great time to meet God and to deepen your walk with him in fasting. Who's with me? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together. I want to lead us in prayer. We've got a a, a perfect song to end our service with this morning. Would you just hold your hands out? And I'm going to pray this out loud, but I would encourage you to translate these words into your own heart language and pray them for yourself. Father, expose in me any hypocrisy. Get rid of any phony righteousness that wants to impress people. Perhaps the most tragic part of this whole uh, chapter is that the hypocrites actually get what they want. They want a little extra favor with people. And for that, they forfeit favor with God. Uh, Father, take me deeper in intimacy with you these last few weeks of 2019. Activate these activities in my life the act of extravagant giving, the act of extended time of prayer, and to anticipate the the act of meeting you in fasting. Increase my faith in each of these activities, and increasingly take me from focusing on what I do to what you do. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for establishing around us and our church family a kingdom perimeter. Thank you that as a father does everything he can humanly do to protect his children. You, our heavenly father, do everything that's necessary to protect us. Hallelujah. Lord, now take... Matthew 6, and use it like a plow blade to dig deeper into the soil of our lives. Lord, if we've got boulders of hypocrisy, expose them. Deliver us. 
from the infestation of the biohazard of hypocrisy. And Lord Jesus, as our hands are extended to you, your hands are extended to us. And you're saying, I want to reparent you in your giving. I want to reparent you in your praying. I want to reparent you in your fasting. Hallelujah. Lord, we welcome your deepening intimacy. In Jesus' name, amen.